Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all of our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Muck Bill Yabaro. Sonny Young is taking a break from his mic, and I'll be filling in for him here in Washington. Welcome to the July 21st edition of the sunny side of sports. We're hitting the track to start the show with the latest in action from the World Athletics Championships in Eugene, Oregon. Taking a quick look at Wednesday's action in Eugene, Nora Girardo set a world championship record en route to winning the women's 3,000-meter steeplechase gold. Giretto, who switched allegiance from Kenya to Kazakhstan earlier this year, clocked in 8 minutes, 53 seconds, the third fastest time ever. Where Kuha Gatakshu set an Ethiopian record for silver, while her compatriot Mekadis Ababi took bronze. Giretto said the race was tough. Oh, yeah, the race for today was not uh, easy. Because we were together with uh, my fellow athletes, tough athletes like me, or champions athletes like me, uh, like uh, Winfred Yafi, Fredericks, and Emma Kabun, and two Ethiopians. So the race was not easy, but I tried my best. In the women's discus final, Feng Bin's 69.12 meters opener a personal best was enough to secure her victory as Croatia's Sandra Perkovic took silver and American Olympian champion Valerie Alman finished with bronze. Fang says she's very happy with her first world level win and that she will be working even harder now. She says her next goal is to throw past 70 meters. South Africa's Castor Semenya, who was competing in the women's 5,000 meters heat, failed to qualify for the finals after clocking a time of 15.46.12. Semenya, a two-time Olympic champion at 800 meters, cannot compete in her preferred middle-distant races because of a world athletics ruling saying women with high natural testosterone levels must take medication to reduce them to compete in middle-distance races. Ethiopian Letisembet Gide led the heats with a time of 14.52.27. The lineup for later today includes the men's 5,000 meters, the men's and women's 200 meters finals, and the semifinals for the men's 800 meters. Thousands of athletes and fans are in Eugene for the World Athletic Olympics. Among the teams is the World Refugee Team. Its members are all refugees and are unable to compete for their countries of birth. Journalist Prince Nesta has spoken with some of the team members, and we will be airing those interviews over the next several days. Today, conversation with Jamal Abdulmaji, originally from Sudan, but currently based in Tel Aviv, Israel. He runs in the 5,000-meter heat today. My name is Jamal Abdulmajidisa. I come from Israel now, but I'm originally from Sudan. I came to compete at 5,000. At uh, Oregon 22, yeah. How did you end up in Israel from Sudan? So uh, I came to Israel before 11 years ago. There's world in Darfur, and I'm living in Darfur in Sudan. 
but when in 2003 Jinjo killed my dad, uh, I leave the my country and then I end up in Israel. Really sorry to hear that. Um, are you maintaining any sort of connection with folks back in Sudan? Uh, I still have connection with my mom, my two siblings, and my sister. And yeah, some of my friends, they used to live now. Some of them in the USA and some of them, they live in Israel also as well. So at the moment when I decide to leave, uh, there's people who help you to, like you pay the people who's like helping you how to get wherever you want to go. First of all, ask somebody like and ask him how much it will cost me to go out of Sudan. And he told me everything is cost and what is cost and what to do. In the beginning, I was wondering when I was going to leave, I was wanting to leave to go to Canada. Then he told me, okay, the only way you can go to Canada, first you need to go to Israel. And after that, in Israel, you can go to Canada. So I came to Israel, and a couple of years, like I stayed in Israel, and life started going well. Have a lot, make friends. So you know, like when you come under age, uh, like when you come in there, young age, and you make friends. So you know, like <laughs> you join the life, you have fun with your friend and whatever it is. So yeah, that's how I end up in Israel. Exactly. How did you discover your passion for athletics? This is a long story for real. Like, um, in 2014 or 13, something like that, I'm not sure. Um, one of my best friends, his name is Abdul, and he was not running. He was uh, studying in uh, school with the one-hour superstar, the guys who start the club. And he told me, you need to go to train with the LEU runner. And yeah, uh, I told him, I was like ignoring him a little bit, but at the end of the day, I listened to my friend, gave me, gave me some advice, and I said, okay, why not? I can try and see how it will go. Then I meet up the coach on the park aircon. The first time we went for Israel, and he told me, you have to promise me you, have to, you will come back to, um, to the practicing. And I told him, yeah, I will. I would uh, I promise him and everything. And a couple of days after, like I think weeks, after one week, I went back. And on that time, yeah, until nowadays, I keep training with them and everything is going well. How did you end up, you know, uh, being one of the participants in the Oregon World Championships? So in the refugee athletes, they choosing the best. They taking like the best of six. So and they uh, like some, I end up like in the top three, I think. And uh, there's the marathon guy, and there's the 100 meter, and then there's me, 5,000. And one was supposed to run stable chase and girls, and like, yeah, six people were supposed to come. But, um, you know, not everybody got a visa, and this was also including for the visa. So yeah, uh, and yeah, I end up and I came to represent my my people. You're looking forward to competing next week. Are you tense? Or <laughs> of course, <laughs> These are things you're used to. <laughs> of course, definitely. I've been through for those competitions a lot. Um, but yeah, you know, it depends what body got like. So you know yourself, you feel fit and ready for competition. But sometimes, like you know, it's not what it you think will go. Like it's depend what body give it to back feedback like 
and yeah i hope i'll do the best you'll do the best for sure as far as this uh, world championships are concerned what sort of medals are you looking at getting you know in the 5000 meters race uh, what medals are you going for realistically uh i'm just going to do like the best as what i said um and see there's no miracle in the running you know what i mean it's yeah. all miserable but if you got the uh, if you come on your good day you can give it man you can do it the best what countries do you possibly deem as a threat, especially as far as in regards to you getting a medal is concerned? What are these countries that you think will pose a great competition for you? I think like the best one would be the Rafiki Olympic team. They, those they being like IOC, like I mean IOC, they being put it like everything on us. So if we did it, they deserve it. You know what I mean? Like there's no way I can go this medal if we got one. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any athletes that you personally look up to? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, let's say now, like, Mo Farah and Lopez Lamo. Lopez Lamo is my hero. Like, he's like me. He started from where I started. But, you know, in the end of the day, like, the legend is like Mo Farah or Haile. They are the legend. And, yeah. When you're not, you know, doing athletics and... You just have some free time to relax. Our listeners would like to find out. Uh, of course, in Israel, it's not, life is like different. Uh, so if I'm not at the train, training park or whatever it is, uh, my free time I'm going to like work or go to do like I have, I'm doing some course. So I go to study like, and that's what I'm doing in my free time. Working or doing, studying a little bit of stuff. Mm. I never been to school, but you know, I'm trying to learn some stuff. Yeah, what are you studying? Uh, I'm studying physio uh, to be a massage. I'm just doing the course, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nice, yeah. nice. There could be someone listening to you right now, and, you know, they would like to be just like you, and possibly, you know, they would like to know how you ended up, especially working, you know, for, uh, you know, running for the refugee team. How how did they find you, or how did you find them? So, um, I life in Israel is a little bit complicated. Like, you need to work if you're, like, in the, the refugees in the Israel... They're supposed to work, like, um, if you're not working, so there's nobody care about you. Like, even the government will not give you anything to, or they will not rent house for you. So if you're not working, the only one who can stand with you is, like, your friend. And if you don't have friends, you will end up, like, at the road, be homeless or whatever it is. Running and how I found them. Um, I just was running, and... I enjoyed the LU Toronto team, and in 2017, uh, Rotem um sent like request to the IOC, and they accepted my request, and I became the part of the refugee team. And yeah, I went to represent the refugees around the world at the Tokyo, and yeah, that was the best one. Oh, you also represented refugees around the world at the Tokyo Olympics. How yeah. did that go for you? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, hopefully that one has gone well. I ran there like uh, I did my BBB, but I, I put all my, what I got, and but I didn't qualify. But, yeah, I'm happy for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incredible, incredible stuff. And, you know, you are an inspiration. What's your message for athletes back in Africa, especially those living in refugee camps? Yeah, uh, 100% like I just tell them, first of all, I know it's hard, 
but in the end of the day like if you put your mind on that thing or you want to make it you can make it nothing is easy but i'm promising you like that every like everybody who's like a refugee i know that life is tough but if you want to make it something just put your mind on it and it's possible man like they can do it and i'm telling you like make sure like you be been doing like the right thing that's what i mean like after training i know like you need to go to work or whatever it is but this is the way i started and today i'm here like and i didn't give up like being going uh, running after after run and i have to go to work and after work i have to go to do another session but yeah it's tough you can get injured or whatever it is but never give up Thanks, Prince Nesta, and the sunny side of sports wishes the best of luck to Jamal Abdelmaji and all the competitors on the World Refugee Team. Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up, dance this music. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on VOA. I'm Muck Bill Yabarro sitting in for Sonny Young. Don't forget you can catch all your favorite VOA programs on voaafrica.com. And for world news, you can check out voanews.com. There's some exciting action coming up on the soccer field with the third-place match in the Women's Africa Cup of Nations tomorrow in Casablanca. Nigeria's national women's football team will be playing Zambia in that game. Then on Saturday, the host, Morocco, takes on South Africa in the final on Saturday in Rabat. Chikozi Chukwuleta is the vice president of the Sports Writers Association of Nigeria Southeast Zone. She spoke to reporter Mike Inbonye about the third place and final games of women's AFCON. She says the games will be tough and that the experience will help Nigeria and South Africa emerge victorious. Oh Well, my take is that uh, the Super Falcons will come out of the emotional trauma of that defeat against Morocco. It was it was it was it was traumatic as far as I'm concerned. The, the girls played with their last blood, you know, to be able to get behind beyond the semis, but they were they were denied that, you know. And um, I also want to to believe also that the super the NFF will do the needful before the before the match and settle all their complaints, you know. The, the state of mind of those girls, they don't need any story of non-payment of match bonuses or whatever it is. You know, the, the, the match will be a game between two wounded lions. The Zambians are complaining of officiating. They believe that robbed them of a slot in the finals. Same with Nigeria, we know the story. Once that is pushed behind, we will see a good game between a team that wants to make history. 
and a team that wants to retain history. The Falcons did not go to Morocco in search of bronze, but I tell you, they wouldn't want to come home empty-handed either. So pushing away sentiments, let's look forward to the third place match and find a way to heal. I believe the bronze will be a starting point for that healing. Host Morocco and South Africa will play in the final of the 12th edition of Women's Africa Cup of Nations Football Tournament. What's your take on the game? Uh, the finals between South Africa and Morocco is going to be a tough one. Playing against the host in any tournament, especially in the finals, is a Herculean task. However, the South Africans are more experienced and I believe they should use that in their approach to the game. The Moroccans, they have a fast-paced attack that has the capacity to wear out a weak defense. Uh, Bayana Bayanas are equal to the task in that area too. Um, I think the South Africans should avoid being physical in, in that game to gather against a repeat of uh, Nigeria's experience. Their players are not as uh, resilient as the uh, Super Falcons and may not stand the heat. They have to avoid it. You know, the Super Falcons suffered the, the heat of that uh, action. You know, if you look at what happened, at a point they were scared of playing because they don't know what the next whistle will interpret for them. So if the South Africans can avoid that and play as much as possible to the rules of the game, they will come out uh, champions in the finals. What's your assessment of the games played so far in the Women's Africa Cup of Nations football tournament? My assessment of the, of the tournament is that Africa is waking up to the realities of the time in terms of uh, female football development. More countries are investing in female football and producing positive uh, surprises. We may not measure well with other continents in the development of female football for now, but believe me, the future is, uh, is Africa. The signs are everywhere. All the regions of the continent are making commendable efforts and uh, the efforts are yielding dividends. The unknown, if you, if, if you agree with me, is gradually pushing aside the, the known when you look at the final four. The tournament, to me, fared well. The organization, the turnout of fans for a female football competition, that was huge. When you talk about officiating, I know our minds will raise particularly to the match between Morocco and Nigeria and a few others. But generally, it was a good outing. And um, if you look at the two Nigerians who were sent out, it was because of a rough play. The referees worked hard to interpret the games in the, to the best of their knowledge. We must remember the presence of the video assistant referee in, in football competitions these days. You know, in our attempts to condemn the referee, we must remember that in each case of the red cards, I'm talking about the Nigerian uh, match, she was called to take a second look at the actions. And in fact, she never saw those actions or that she saw them and never uh, seen them as grievous as uh, the VAR uh, tend to say. Because when she was called to take a second look at those uh, actions, we equally saw that those actions were unsporting behaviors, you know, though it may not be intentional. 
but the consequences of the action, the red cats came and there was nothing anybody could have done about it. In Europe, Netherlands international Matthias de Ligt chose to move to Bayern Munich over other clubs as he felt the love from the club's board and head coach, Julian Nagelsmann. Incredibly happy, of course, uh, to be become part of such a big club with such a big history. The biggest club in Germany, one of the biggest clubs in the world. For me, it's an, it's an amazing honor and I'm really happy to be here. First of all, because I really felt the, um, the love and appreciation from the, from the board, from the, from the, from the trainer. That's for me really important. And second of all, I think Bayern Munich is an amazing club. Uh, it's one of the best uh, run club, I think, in the, in the, in the world. And yeah, I'm, I'm really proud to be, to be part of this group. De Ligt has signed a five-year contract at Bayern Munich after Juventus accepted a reported offer of 68 million pounds. The 22-year-old center back started his career at Ajax before moving to Turin in July 2019. German soccer club Cologne today called for the exclusion of Belarusian teams from European competitions because of the country's support for Russia and its invasion of Ukraine. The Bundesliga club says it has written to UEFA asking it to include Belarusian teams in the ban on Russian teams. Cologne is scheduled to play in the playoffs for a spot in the group stage of the UEFA Europa Conference League. Belarusian clubs Bat, Borisov, Gomel, Shakhtyor, Soligorsk, and Dynamo Minsk are potential opponents. Pedaling along in cycling, four-time champion Chris Fromm has pulled out of the Tour de France after contracting COVID-19. Britain said today he would focus on being ready for the Volta España next month. Israel premier tech rider took third place on stage 12 atop the Lap de Huz, which was his best performance since a career-threatening crash three years ago. He announced his positive COVID test on Twitter and said he's disappointed that he won't be able to finish the tour in Paris on Sunday. Tade Pogachar claimed victory in the 17th stage of the tour on Wednesday. However, it was Jonas Vinegard who came a step closer to the title as he finished on the defending champion's wheel to retain the overall leader's yellow jersey. Time to pitch a few bowls after losing in Ben Stokes' final one-day international. England's national cricket team aims to level the series when they face South Africa at Old Trafford on Friday. Stokes follows captain Ian Morgan into retirement. Speaking to the media, wicketkeeper Phil Salt said the side still has all the players it needs to win. We've lost a couple of leaders in the dressing room, senior players, um, but we still you know, have a lot of leaders and senior players in the room. So um, I don't think too much has changed from that side of things and how we want to play our cricket. Um, obviously, you know, to, losing Stokes the other day and Morgan retiring, it, it does have an impact. Um, you know, they were there, they played such vital roles in winning the World Cup. Um, but, you know, we have to keep moving forward and we have all the leaders and senior players in the dressing room we need. Salt says the team's heavy schedule could be a problem, but also said England has fared well under pressure in the past. As a side, as a unit, we've, we've set the bar for so many years, um, you know, whether I've been in or out of the squads. Um, I, I don't think there's any, you know, sort of turned up pressure in the dressing room at all. We know what we need to do. We know how good we are. 
and it's a case of getting your chest out, crossing the line and proving it again and again because that's what made this squad world champions. That was England's wicketkeeper Phil Salt ahead of the team's match Friday against South Africa. In tennis, the ATP Tour today said the Shanghai Masters and the three other men's tournaments in China will not be held this year due to COVID restrictions in the country. China hosted the Winter Olympics under strict health protocols in February, but almost every other international sporting event in the country this year has been canceled or postponed. ATP chairman Andrea Gudenzi told the Reuters news agency last month that the prospects of the 2022 China swing were bleak. This will be third year of cancellation for the ATP's China tournaments, typically hosted in September and October. As of July 20th, mainline China has publicly confirmed about 228,000 cases of COVID-19. Although the number is small by global standards, authorities in China are sticking to a stringent zero-COVID policy, while other countries have relaxed their rules and chosen to live with the virus. The French Open and Wimbledon were recently held without any health restrictions and it was unlikely players would have agreed to go to China if there was any period of isolation involved. The women's tour has no event scheduled in China for 2022 as the WTA works to find a resolution to the standoff with China over Peng Shao. Former doubles world number one Peng's well-being became a concern for the WTA after she posted a message on social media last year accusing China's former vice president Zheng Zhouli of sexual assault. Last night's ESPY Awards ceremony for excellence in sports was dominated by an athlete who wasn't there. Women's National Basketball Association star Brittany Griner, who was jailed in Russia, was front and center during the ceremony. Griner was arrested in Russia in February after custom officials found vape canisters containing cannabis oil in her luggage. She faces up to 10 years in prison if convicted. Soccer star Megan Raponi urged her fellow athletes to do more to support Griner. Every time we see BG's face, like Neko was saying, every time we say her name, every time it's on social media, every time we say it in interviews, it puts pressure on everybody. It puts pressure on the administration, it puts pressure on Russia, it puts pressure on Putin, it puts pressure on everyone. It lets BG know also above everything that we love her and that we miss her and that We're thinking about her all the time. We're doing every single thing that we can to get her out. NBA Finals MVP and show host Stephen Curry joined WNBA players Nika Ogumike and Skylar Diggins-Smith in calling attention to Griner's plight. Curry wore Griner's Phoenix Mercury jersey under his tracksuit. Curry picked up a trophy, too, for best record-breaking performance, having set the mark for most three-pointers made in league history. He shared the best team award with the NBA champion Golden State Warriors. Shohei Otani, a star with the Los Angeles Angels baseball team, won best athlete in men's sports. Olympic swimming champion Katie Ledecky, who is from the Washington, D.C. area, won best athlete in women's sports. Ledecky earned two golds and two silvers at the Tokyo Games last year, giving her 10 career Olympic medals. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel, host of Press Conference USA, VOA's newsmaker interview program. 
Join us each Saturday and Sunday when we talk with authors, analysts, and policymakers who provide fresh insight on topics ranging from U.S. politics and foreign policy to science, culture, and global health. You can listen to Press Conference USA on the radio or online at voanews.com slash PCUSA. While you're visiting our website, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We'd also love to hear from you. Just send an email to PCUSA at voanews.com or connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voa or on Twitter at voa. That's Press Conference USA every Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. And that's a wrap for the July 21st edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Muck Bill Yabro filling in for Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports.